This is Jim Bernica. Uh, with me today is a really special guest all the way from Australia, uh, my friend Rick Owen. Rick is an operations manager for the Specialist Response County Fire Authority in Victoria, Australia. He's a fourth-generation firefighter, started his career back in 1986. Uh, earlier this year, Rick was a- awarded a grant through the Churchill Trust to research how different departments throughout the world are trying to reduce, reduce their occupational exposures and therefore reduce their cancer diagnosis. So I've, I've chatted online with uh, Rick for almost two years now, and I, I finally got to meet him live in person at this year's FDIC in Indianapolis. So uh, it was a pleasure talking to him live in person, and I and I love talking to him right here, even though we're 14 hours apart. So it's, uh, it's almost my bedtime, and uh, Rick's just starting his day now. So uh, thank you for being on here, Rick. I really appreciate it. I know it's uh, it's kind of again odd with the the time stuff, but I appreciate you being on here. And I know you got a great story um, that I think will interest a lot of people. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Look, it's a pleasure and an honor to be uh, invited to be part of the twenty five. Nice. All right. So why don't we just start with uh, what exactly is the Churchill Trust grant? Um, so the Churchill Trust is actually named after Winston Churchill. So Winston Churchill was uh, always one to advocate increasing the education and knowledge. And after he passed away, a foundation was formed in his name and they collected, they actually collected money door to door to, to start off the foundation. So every year in Australia, they award, well, this year they awarded, in my year they awarded 112, this year they awarded 115 different people um, a grant of up to about $28,000 Australian, which was in conversions about 22,000 US. Um, and and it's for betterment of the Australian community. So you've got to go away between six to eight weeks, come back, report and innovate or implement what you've talked about. So, in a real snapshot, it's just it's a beautiful foundation who just offers this exciting choice and um, opportunity to go overseas, which I spent 32 days in the US, which is my ninth time in the States, and it's, I just love the place. Uh, and then the rest of the time was in Europe. Nice. Now, how many uh, people actually apply for this every year? Uh, last year I was told 1,200 applied, so it's about uh, what's that? One in one in ten chance that yeah. they divide. But they divided up into because Australia is seven states, mm-hmm. and they divided up into population. So my state of Victoria, we get 22 um, people who are eligible or get awarded out of the 112. So they go by population base. So the smaller states you've probably got the same opportunity, but there's less people applying. Uh, and I've taken from anywhere from medical to arts to emergency services, just anything that you can better the Australian community. Um, it also operates in other Commonwealth countries, such as uh, England, where it originated, and also New Zealand. Nice. Now, why did you end up submitting this application, you know, on occupational cancer? Why, why have you been kind of involved, at, you know, up to this point? Oh, it's a little story, Jim, if you want. I started in 2006. We had the Commonwealth Games, which is sort of like a mini Olympics of Commonwealth countries in, in Australia. And I was thrown into the end with um, Hazmat and CBR and NBZ and all the all the nasties and really clicked. And uh, in 2012, I won another scholarship and it was about atmospheric monitoring. And I went to the States as well, but it's only a 28-day tour. But during that time... Um, I've lost my father to cancer. He lost. Uh, he was a firefighter for 42 years. Um, you know, started in the 50s before breathing apparatus. Um, died of a couple of different types of cancers. So you know, I've been touched there. I've also got two brothers in the job um, here, and I'm the junior, but they're the they're a lot older than me. And one of them's just lost his. Or last two years, I lost his stomach to cancer. Um, and I've think it's exposure from the job because he's not a smoker or a drinker and he's really lives a very clean and holistic lifestyle and my other brothers actually had um, issues as well um, with skin cancers which in Australia is quite significant because we've got a lot of UV um, and coupled with PAH exposure 
um, some firefighting and I think he had some issues with melanoma. So I've been touched and personally I've had some issues with kidneys. So another another um, thing. So yeah, it's it's easy to want to talk about this and and go forward and try change things when you've been touched. Um, it, it's hurt the family. Yeah, I, I can tell this is really personal with you. Yeah, yeah, and so, sorry, I sometimes get a bit emotional, but uh, yeah, it brings back. You know, Dad's been gone twenty five years, but um, yeah, the others are pretty close to home as well. You know, I was only a young bloke, twenty four, just in the job, a year in the job, and it was a, a fire service funeral. Yeah, with five or six hundred people there because Dad was a senior officer as well, and um, yeah, it it hurts. Yeah, well, I think what you're doing and, and I think what I'm doing and, and all these other, uh, you know, our, our peers by uh, being so aggressive in this cancer awareness prevention, I, I think that ultimately we're going to end up making a, a positive difference and and at least future generations. That's, you know, that's the main thing. It's, you know, what, what can we do now for our firefighters in the future? Yeah, look. Ultimately, I think we are, but I think also, Jim, now we've already made that change. We've started it. I've seen significant change in the U.S. fire services since, you know, the last 10 years I've been visiting, um, you know, huge leaps and bounds in research uh, and just acceptance of change of our culture that, yeah, I know we do it for the community, but at some stage we've got to start thinking about ourselves because otherwise we won't have a fire service um, to protect our community. Sure. Um, and, and you're already leading the way, so I'm I'm just ever grateful to be part of the, the whole world order doing this. Uh, it is. I mean, to me, it's really just it's neat to think uh, about. Um, you know, you're all the way over there, and I'm all the way over here, but yet we have really the same problems, and we're we're really trying to address them and, and figure out what the best practices versus our current practices of reducing it. And it's just, you know, regardless of where you are in this world it's the same problems and it's the same, you know, attitude of we got to fix this. So I, I really, I, th- I think that's such a neat thing. Now, when you were, when you were doing this, um, putting this application together, did you have to already kind of plan out your trips ahead of time for the application or did you, you got the, you, you know, they told you got it and you said, Oh crap. Uh, now I got to figure out where I can go, what I can do. And, and, you know, how did all this like come together where you actually ended up? Uh, so the, the process is a long and daunting one. So you start with a an online application, which is very uh, succinct and word limited. So you actually have to plan and know what you're doing. So I probably spent six weeks writing my grant application and you know bouncing it off people and making sure I was going to the right spots. And then so if they're happy with that, they um, move you forward to a state panel interview, which is five. Um, members on this panel and it's you, know, you turn up and you've got 15 minutes and at 15 minutes and one second they ring the bell and you could be mid-sentence and you stop so I, I went to this interview and fully prepared I thought and they asked me all different questions about what was I going to achieve nothing what um, what I thought they were going to ask and I walked out and I rang my wife on the way home and I said oh look there's probably a couple of months I've just wasted you know writing this application and I'll have to wait for next year now and lo and behold, a, a few weeks later, they ring up and say, oh, we really like what you talked about. Can you go to the next one, which is a, a national panel, which has 12 people on it, and they're all research people and doctors and, you know, they're the top end of our community. And the same thing, there's 10 minutes and away you go. And uh, luckily enough, I was successful, um, which the process took six months. Um, you then have a presentation dinner where you talk about your thing to your, to about your topic to the other people in your state. And, you know, I met, it's very official. You get presented at um, Government House, which is like the governor of the state's residence, and she presents the, um, the award to you. And, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very big day. Um, and I suppose in Australia, to be known as a Churchill Fellow is a, a great honour. Um, and I'm ever grateful to the organisation for allowing me to be part of it. That's that's very cool. Um, now, if you don't mind, here's what I was thinking. I want to go over all the different places you went uh, on yep. your journey. And for each place, if you will, just kind of give me some highlights. What did you see? What did you learn? 
you know, how, how was it? All right. How does that sound? Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. So, okay. yeah. You want to see, I think, I, I think I, I went through your report and which will at the end, I guess we'll go to plugging your report and where everybody can find that. But, um, so I, I wrote down all the places you visited. So let's just r- jump right into where I actually got to meet you. Uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah, look, I love coming to Indy. It's my fourth time to FDIC, um, and each time, you know, it's off my own coin, except for this one. It was uh, someone else paid, which makes it very nice. But uh, Indy was just a great opportunity to meet other people like yourself and, you know, thinking of the same the same things. Everybody's in this one location, and it's overload. It's, you know, you're, you're talking, you're, you, you start early in the morning with classes, and then you go all night talking to people and having dinner and the occasional uh, beer with the brotherhood sort of uh, mentality. But uh, Indianapolis, it's just a great venue. Um, and I've gotten to meet so many great people, which really kick-started the, the study. Um, I then went, do you want me to just continue? Or I just went to Boston after that. Yeah, Boston was next. Yeah, Boston was great. Um, I met some fantastic people in Boston and they were – you know, for everything you've been visiting and seeing online, they were leaders in things they were doing, um, and they've had a big turnaround in culture. So I was very interested to um, to meet with them, and I met Captain Greg, and he was a fantastic man. He was just um, yeah, he was just interested, welcoming. Um, I spent the morning with them and most of the day, and then uh, while I was in Boston, I also had the opportunity to to zip out to. Uh, NFPA at Quincy and I met with some researchers and they were again just an amazing organization you know, we just we just talk shop um, and we're talking about you know PER which they're calling the preliminary exposure reduction talked about some things I'm thinking about you know we're, we're very big at the moment on environmental impact so it was good to talk to them about um, environmental impact which they hadn't been considering um, it was just uh, Boston and Boston's a beautiful city. Um, I've never been there before. Um, mm-hmm. Just a beautiful city. I had a great time. Um, Love to go back. But yeah, and the fire service, you know, they're just learning. They've changed their culture and this gung ho mentality to, you know, it's all about us and we've got a problem. We acknowledge it. And the commissioner said, Commissioner Joe said that. He said, we acknowledge it and we're moving on and we're trying to do something about it. So sure. it's good. Good to see some proactivity from such a large organization. Yeah, exactly. You know, 33 stations and they're throwing, uh, I think they're actually getting ready to build some new stations, but also they're actually going to have uh, gear extractors at all 33 stations, which is, which is huge. Absolutely yeah. huge. Yeah. Amazing. And, you know, and it's about us for a change, which, you know, it's got to be at some stage, but it was just as amazing, the mindset and their attitude because like some of the buildings are in were, you know, 200 years old and they still continue to operate uh, and looked at changing. So it was a great thing to see that you could change things without starting from new. Um, and that was a, a theme that picked up along the way of a lot of departments. You know, they didn't have to build new; they could retrofit and change things and still, you know, still have a win. Nice. And uh, next up, next up, correct was Charleston. Yeah, um, again, Charleston is a city I haven't been to, um, and it's fantastic. And I probably went there to look at their hood exchange program, um, and I've got a friend who's the deputy chief there, which makes it very much you know, easier to, to help him. For, um, uh, was that Jason? Jason? Yeah. yeah, Jason Cruz, and a lovely man and a beautiful family. So I spent uh, a week in Charleston and um, you know, looked at their hood exchange, um, looked at some of the things they're doing on the fire ground. You know, for a, it's a smaller size department, but busy enough. Seen a lot of fire, uh, and just to talk with people. Um, again, everywhere I w- went, I was welcomed and made part of the family. And but I learned, and you know, in I spent um, a little bit of time with one of the safety captains and we went actually out to the side of the sofa warehouse. And that was a very moving morning you know, to stand where the Charleston nine were and uh, stand and see what they went through. And the biggest thing I loved about Charleston again, was their change in um, culture. 
and they freely admitted it. You know, they've come a long way and turned things around, um, again, from the department, which was, you know, like some of them, they said they had some backward, backward SOPs and understanding to a, to a forthright and um, innovative department. It was just fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, nice. After that, I went down to Miami in yep. Miami-Dade um, to see you know, Chief Dave Downey, who's a lovely man, and I was hosted by the legend of the US Fire Service, Bill Gustin, who's a fairly close friend. Um, we spent a fair bit of time with Bill. Um, we had some very robust discussions, which was great. But uh, <laughs> Miami, again, another progressive department, and the reason to visit Miami was actually I met Bert Quintella, who's the safety chief, and look at the clean cab um, with Chief Downey and Bert. They've um, they've drawn a line in the sand and said, hey, we're not going to accept this anymore. And I know there's a lot of angst about the clean cab. Sure. Uh, um, but I think it's just the opportunity to try something. Um, I like their analogy. The analogy they kept using for the clean cab was like the the theatre where the surgeon operates, you know, everything starts out clean. Things may get dirty, but they don't go back into the theatre till they're being cleaned. And that's how they run in their clean cab. Uh, it was just great, great to see that somebody had actually taken a chance, so to speak, and mm -hmm. tried something different. And yeah, they've popped a bit of flack, um, both internally and externally, but they're strong leaders and they believe in what they're doing. Um, yeah, it was just a great opportunity to, to see it, see it work live, um, and just to hear from the boys how they spoke. Um, they, they were fully supportive of it, and, and again, they were working in an exceptionally hot and humid environment, which if you can do it there and you can do it in Boston in the cold and snow, um, I think you can do it anywhere. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that whole that clean cap concept, uh, I didn't know if it was going to be just a little trendy thing and go away or actually have some legs and stick around. And I mean, it's about three or four years since it was de debuted and it's it's got some it's got some momentum, actually. Uh, yeah. Did you did you see that anywhere else in your travels? Um, I didn't actually see the dedicated um separation of um, space to put gear like in the between the cab and the, the back of the rig um, but I did see a lot like especially in Europe they were very big on um, no dirty gear back in the cab so they would have standard cabins and they still may have SCBA in the cab but it didn't go back into it washed and cleaned properly um, they had storage compartments in the back of the rig to put their dirty gear so they probably had the concept they hadn't gone that next step where they had the ability to put dirty gear in a special compartment you know, to stop that transmission. And the thing for me about clean cab and the analogy in the light bulb moment for me was it's about us, but it's also about the kids. And when I say about the kids and children, how often do we get kindergarten and elementary mm -hmm. school kids coming to the, um, the fire house and they want to get into the into the vehicles and you know be a fireman? And if we've got dirty cabs um, contaminated with carcinogens, we're exposed to people who, who shouldn't be exposed. You know, we make the choice to be firefighters and understand some of the risk. They have no choice. So the clean cab for me, the flow on is the benefit to our community and the people we protect is a no-brainer. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if we're not thinking clean cab, we probably need to have a hard look at ourselves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So now after Miami, that's when you got back on a plane and took a, a longer <laughs> trip across the country to L.A., right? Yeah, so, yeah, I went to L.A. and I visited um, Glendale and Pasadena. And I've been to L.A. before because you know, it's the first stop basically coming from Australia because it's, you know, when you say it's a long flight, it's only five hours. It's, it's five-hour jump. That's an easy one. Um, do that stand <laughs> on your head. <laughs> yeah. Coming to, coming to L.A. from home is 15 hours, so... Uh, you know, planes are easy, but uh, yeah, I met some beautiful people again in Pasadena, Brian Freeders, and uh, and also, um, oh, name will lose me, it's just the top of my head, it's a bit you made the has sin. Um, 
Was it was it DeBron? Um, oh, I was having one of those moments. You ever have one of those moments where you get the mental blank? Um, I have several a day, actually. and it's nice to have somebody else do it for a change oh yeah and and the pressure's on so we're talking about things and you're thinking oh um yeah so oh oh. well what did what did you end up learning in la um or la area i should say yeah la again um again just a proactive all the departments i went to were proactive and uh they probably just reinforced what I've been learning everywhere else because I know there's an West Coast and uh, East Coast rivalry, um, but I don't see that. Uh, I see how um, some people operate differently. But, um, again, they were just thinking after they finished putting the wet stuff on the red stuff, so to speak, they were all about them and, and uh, cleaning themselves up and making sure they're ready to go again. Um, you know, Glendale was fantastic. The chief was great. Um, yeah, and Pasadena again was, was great. Um, yeah, everywhere I went, they were just everybody was doing something good, but nobody had grabbed the whole concept and was doing everything. Everyone had some room for improvement, and it's no different to home. Um, when I come here, we're doing some things good, but we're doing some things poorly. But Travelling like that 32 days around the States just gave me that opportunity, um, yeah, to do it. It was, yeah, fantastic. Nice. So you ended up leaving Los Angeles and you went to Paris, correct? Yeah. So I went to Paris actually via London. I only had a stopover in London because Paris is a bit hard to get to from the the uh, West Coast. So I threw, flew into London and into Paris, and in Paris I actually didn't have um, actually didn't have any appointments. But um, I spent three days because I, I don't know I've been to Paris a couple of times with the wife and by myself, and um, I actually just spent those three days just collecting my thoughts after the 32 days because you're going so hard in all that time in the states, you know, on planes, out of planes, you know, meeting, sure. friendly, meeting the friendly people from TSA. Yeah, all that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, and oh, look, I had good interactions with um, TSA. Uh, so, sorry, Phil Ambrose was my man in LA. Um, fantastic. He was the inventor of HasSim, so um, I went to see him as well. But um, Phil was uh, a convert, and sorry, I've just backtracked a bit. But Phil and myself and Greg from uh, Boston and Bert Quintella from Florida, we actually started up a little not a think tank, but if we get something new, we've been throwing it out on email together just to start talking and showing them what we're doing. So sure. we sort of built some network as well. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, ma- I imagine that at this point, after doing the U.S. leg, you're spending those three days and you're like, all right, I got so much going on. How do I formulate this into a report? Yeah, because... The, the biggest goal I had to do, I've got to produce a, I had to produce a report within 10 weeks of getting it home, other, and otherwise I'd lost some money because you sign a contract to do this report and you've got 10 weeks from time to do it. And everybody said, make sure you do your report as you're travelling. So I ended up writing 58 pages, I think, on my report. But of those, I'd written 45 before I'd got home. So in the seven weeks, I'd written 45 and in the 10 weeks I got home, I'd written 13 pages because it was just so hard because you're back to normal work and family and uh, sure. you just don't have time to be consistently just thinking about this issue. This issue. So Paris is a great time just to um, collect my thoughts and do a lot of writing. And coincidentally, I was there just after the, the great fire in the cathedral and I actually stayed just behind it on um, St. Louis Island, the lovely little island in the Seine River. And... Um, I could see the cathedral from my from my window, so it was a pretty every day when I'm sitting writing, I'm looking at this burnt out shell of a beautiful building. So um, Paris was Paris was good. It was a refresh, and and after 32 days of being bouncing around the beautiful country and, um, and across you know three or four different time zones, I just needed that time just to, to chill. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, good food. So- 
Yeah, well, I haven't been there yet. I'm sure the wife wants to go there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, someday. So, yeah, yeah, they go. Oh, it's easy for you. I'm going to have to apply for this trust. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll support now, you. So, <laughs> <laughs> after Paris, you went to Belgium. Why did you end up going to Belgium? That, that isn't something that I would have thought of. Um, well, Belgium, I was probably, I was originally going to go back to the UK, but um, Belgium, there's a couple fellows in Australia who've done the Churchill Fellowship, and um, Shan Raphael, who's a fellow out of Queensland, he's big into CFBT and compartment firefighting. He said, me go to Belgium, they've really got their act together, and they've come a long way in a very short time. So, again, a very, um, you know, large capital city, um, uh, solely uh, a smaller department because they've only got a, bit, a few stations, but the big stations, like the station I was at, had three ladders, three engines, um, had 55 people working on, on day shift sort of thing. So there's lots of people there and lots of crew. So, and they had a specialist decontamination vehicle. So they had a, I'm going to call them like a Mercedes Sprinter van, one of those sort of uh, one of those job vans just kitted out with all the equipment. So they had two people permanently um, crewing that appliance. Then when they got a fire, they just turned out and they made their their wash down and decon zone, and um, they were there for the for their um, comrades, so to speak, to start the cleaning process. And that was to have a dedicated vehicle. It was a very uh, good thing to see. Um, uh, it was just amazing. And again, their culture, they were, they said, you know, 10 years ago, they weren't interested in, they were interested in putting fire out, weren't interested in looking after themselves, but now that's all changed. And yeah, Belgium was very good. Was very that's good. nice. Yeah. See, now, I, I, it's, it, this whole thing, by the way, is, is interested to, it, it interests me because I've done kind of similar things. And so, you know, I went to, um, I've always heard, let me back up, I've always heard how advanced Europe was regarding this firefighter cancer prevention. So I wanted to see it live in person myself. So I ended up, I ended up going to uh, England. I went to, went to six different brigades and, and I ultimately ended up not really seeing a whole lot i mean i there wasn't anything that we weren't doing there in the u.s they were actually seemed like they're a little bit behind us at the time mm-hmm. and this is probably about uh, about three years ago now or so but while i was over there i went to your next stop i went to sweden myself and that's when i was like all right this is this is what i came to see this is kind of the bar these guys have this stuff down and uh um, I haven't seen anybody come close to, to touching what they're doing and how they're doing it so far. So that's go ahead and talk about that. That's your next stop there. Yeah. So Sweden was the last stop. So I had a week in Sweden in Stockholm and aroundabouts, and I have trouble with the pronouncing name. So forgive me if I get some things wrong, but uh, I'm sure uh, most like travelers to Sweden have the same issues. But um, again, beautiful people. Uh, but I went there for the same reason. I saw, saw them as the world leaders and I wanted to see what everybody else had and what they were doing and going to Sweden to see what they were up to. Uh, and when I got there, um, I was blown away. The attitude um, towards their own safety, yeah, when the pressure's on and we've got to perform for the community, they're up with it and they had beautiful techniques and well-trained. But afterwards, that's where they, they stepped in their own league. You know, they were major league level and it was ingrained from the recruit firefighter all the way through to the chief um they've gone through a whole process of adopting this nationally um they had extractors in all their stations they had dedicated um engine bays in this in the station where they could pull the vehicle into and clean it separate and off that they had areas to to wash their ppc to wash their bas to to wash their hose so they they started after fires out and they put everything in bags they stowed it properly outside not in the compartment of the cabin and they had dedicated areas on top one had a dedicated area on top of their engine which come down remote control and they could lay their dirty hose into it and 
Um, so they were really about stopping that secondary contamination. And when they got back to the house, they um, continued on, you know, even wearing positive pressure um, respirators to, so that they get further exposure to themselves. Um, and they had they had the mindset, yep, it could take us 10 minutes to, to clean up and we could be off the run for 10 minutes, but that was one of the costs of doing business, so to speak. And the best thing about the whole thing about Sweden, again, they had very uh, older buildings and they'd retrofitted it and just made it work. Now, if you build a whole new station, it'd be in a perfect linear flow, and some of theirs wasn't, but they still had the opportunity to get it done and, and to do it. And it was just amazing to see. Um, you know, I, 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 go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, when I started in 2012 with our first trip, I would have said, the States and Australia were probably 20 years behind what I saw in Sweden. I'd say now the States are probably five years behind Sweden and we're probably 10 years behind. So we haven't progressed that much. We've progressed on some things. But, um, you know, the States are catching up very quickly, but Sweden is still uh, the benchmark. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Just amazing. It, it's funny how, like, when looking through your report and looking at the pictures – I I went to a different station than you, but it was like it's almost it's the same setup. It was the same yeah, exact we'll, way. They had the separate bay, all that stuff. Uh, I think you had uh, it's the same thing. You had a an old uh, not an old, but it it would have been a uh, like a dishwasher in a restaurant that they retrofitted to wash their yeah. SDAs. Yeah. Uh, for washing their hose, they first of all they soaked all their hose, and then they had a machine. and And the best way to describe it is, it looked like it was a bowling alley. But they roll out their hose, they throw it in this machine, they put the lid on and press a button, and, and that's her hose washer. So yeah, I've never seen anything like that anywhere else. So uh, their attitude was just different. I felt like after I left there, I was like, man, I should have just skipped england and just spent more time in sweden because that's i've learned so much more in just that short amount of time now i don't take away from the it was still a great experience going all those brigades um and I've, i still have friendships just out of that short little trip there but sweden yeah definitely where it's at yeah yeah very much so um and and it was just no no one was it wasn't a fuss or uh, anything to change what they did they just accepted it and and have done it they've been doing it so long it was just an easy it's just another thing they did at the job so yeah this is what we do to clean up um you know, it's interesting when you talk about extractors in boston they're um using msa g1 scba which we've just bought in my department um and together they're looking at a proper a washing machine um, with proper detergent. The MSA are doing tests, which should actually be out very soon. I think the that sort of uh, the results. But you know, for me, that's the big thing: cleaning our BA. A lot of us are cleaning our PPC, our our bunker gear, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that additional stuff: the hose, the BA, the cabin. They're the the next steps we need to take to ensure we're looking after ourselves sure i think uh, a lot of us kind of end up just taking shortcuts like we we fight the fire and we do overhaul and i think we've gotten better at wearing our, our scbh during overhaul here not everybody's doing it but it's it's a lot better than it was for sure yeah. but after that we're tired and we just want to yeah. get back and get and get this crap off of us and get clean but we take a lot of shortcuts in in that time frame and there was there's no shortcuts in sweden they they spent the time. They did things properly. Bagged, like you said, everything. SCBAs, tools, hose, gear. Changed their clothes right then and there. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was good stuff. And, and the one that really got me um, there was the environmental understanding. They don't they don't use any plastic in their process, so they have reusable washable bags. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the DOT bags, which Boston are now trialling, and I've actually got some here for Australia. But, you know, the environmental impact was considered, uh, even down to the wipes. Like, um, we use a biodegradable wipe because um, some wipes, you know, 
exist for a hundred years in in landfill. So yeah, I never. By the way, I I was I've never seen that before. It's a dehydrated biodegradable cotton towel like wipe, like yeah. and it was like a just a tablet and you add a little bit of water to it. Boom, yeah. there's your towel. Yeah, like with a standard, uh, I would say six hundred mil water bottle for us, which I don't know is probably twenty ounce, I suppose for you. Um, we can wash down 20 or 30 people with it because they only take a, a couple of ounces or 15 mil of water to use these tablets. And I like them, and they may not be as effective because they, you know, they you might use two, but in Australia they're costing about 15 cents each, mm-hmm. um, and they don't take up any space on the rig. You know? But the biggest thing for me is, and we've been one here, is about the environmental in- impact. I've got a friend who works for the water board here in Australia, and they actually skim um, the, the towelettes, you know, people use for nappy or diapers and, you know, that sort of thing out of the thing, out of the water system because it takes 100 years to decompose. And if we can lessen our impact as well, that's a, that's a good thing, I think, because, uh, yeah, I'm all about planet. Yeah, I'm not I'm not an environmental activist, but I'm probably about leaving the planet in a good way because I've got kids who are going to inherit it from me, so much like you have. So um, I want it to be in a reasonable state. Yeah. 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 So you get done with Sweden, you finally yeah. come home. Yeah. Was it? Was it? Were you on? Was it in the U.S. for 32 days or altogether? This whole trip was 32 days. Uh, it's 32 in the U.S. and 49, so seven weeks total away from the family. 49 days, had so 17 in Europe, 32 wow. in the States. And then um, back to you know, land, I think I land on the Thursday and back to work on the Monday. Uh, <laughs> and, and I just started a new role at work, so it was pretty, pretty, pretty I'm trying hard. to even think all the different time zones you were in. You, uh, When you got to the U.S., you were good for a while until you made that West Coast trip. Yeah. And so then, I, I think I spent 76 hours in planes. Um, actually sitting on planes, so not including airports, but, you know, you jump across um, so many time zones. Like Stockholm back to to Melbourne for me is a 23-hour flight. Um, yeah, it was just hard. And I get back I get back to home and I'm up sort of at 3 in the morning to about 8 at night, then I go to bed because I just couldn't get the body right. Um, but I spent yeah. a lot of that time at three in the morning sitting down in my study writing. And, that, was, you know, that was your most productive time. Yeah, that's right. Cause you, because you're so, you're on such a high. Um, like I'm not a drug user or anything, like that, but I only assume, you know, when they take drugs, they're on this high. And I was on this high from um, all this knowledge and meeting all these like people and all these other, and it was just a great thing to say, hang on, it's just not me who's thinking about this. There's a whole network around the world thinking about it and on this high to come home and just continue on. Um, uh, and the, the, once the report's finished, it, the job's not over. I've got to implement and you know, I'm having meetings with politicians and trying to get money and build online. I'm, I'm working on an online training module at the moment so you can do it at your own pace on how to mm-hmm. do how to do washdown. Because I'm calling it washdown and that's one thing. Um, well, yeah. Well, if you don't mind, because um, yeah. that's that's a big part of your report is is kind of talking about uh, the difference between you know what everybody's around here is saying decon and now it's going to be yeah. called NFPA wants it to call preliminary exposure reduction. But you you just kind of were like let's make this let's break this down and make it as simple as possible. And you just talked yeah. about the, the washdown. Yeah, because so. For me, I'm a firefighter first and foremost. I'm not a, a um, well, I think I'm a student of the fire service, but I'm no academic person. Um, and as much as I understand the PER, but you know, if you call it a PER, I think fire isn't use it. But to call it a preliminary exposure reduction, it's probably just too big a words for us. Um, <laughs> the other thing is, I'm a hazmat. I'm a hazmat geek. I don't know what you call them in the States. Um, yeah, I'm uh, a, a glowworms. Yeah, glowworm. I'm probably one of those. And I thought if we if we adopted some hazmat mentality and and used it, you know, we don't bring anything out of the out of the hot zone into the warm or cold zone, which is dirty. We should do that on the fire ground. But if you read um, Dr. Horn's work and all the other work, 
you know, on the on-scene initial washdown or decon is never fully effective. You know, we can get 84, 85% of the, of the stuff off us. And being a hazmat person, decon to me was always measurable and achievable and it used the Alara principle of, you know, as low as um, reasonably expected or, um, or achievable. So we always measured decon and we expect it to be, you know, 100% efficiency or 100 or 99%. But knowing that um, decon for post-fire wasn't really, you know, 100% effective, I wanted a different term. The other term, and I wanted to go away from decon as well because, you know, everyone associates it with, de- with, um, with your glow worms and your nerds and they don't want to do it because that's what the nerds do. <laughs> and, you know, we, want to be cool, we want to be cool kids, you know, we want to be yeah. the, the cool kids. So I wanted a term what was simple and, you know, our fireys could um, understand. And I just think washdown, hey, hey, go do a washdown is uh, an easy thing. It doesn't um, have any connotations of hazmat, you know, glowworms and nerds. And um, it's something that a fiery will remember and perhaps will do and adopt and be easy and be better for us all. So that's nice. a long, it's a long explanation, but uh, yeah, I just want to get. Oh, it's good. Well, I just want, don't want to be a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, it's, a, it's all right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you're a nerd, or yeah. well, maybe, maybe we're both nerds and we just don't, we're uh, in uh, denial. Yeah, yeah, it could be, could be. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, you compose this report. I, I think it'd be important to to let the listeners know where they can actually go find this online and. And check it out for themselves. Yeah, so it's downloadable in a PDF format. So if they went to churchilltrust.com.au, um, that's the, the Trust Foundation's website. And on the right-hand side, it's got search for a fellow. And if they put in Owen, just O-W-E-N, my surname, it'll come up with my full name, you know, Richard Murray Owen, which my mum calls me and no one else does. So don't even That's only when you're in trouble, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's like a, you're in trouble, you use your full name, but it's one of yeah. the Yeah, yeah. I when I get James Lawrence, I, I know I'm in trouble. Yes, yeah, very much so. Yeah. So uh, if you click on my name, it'll bring up the report, download it, go your hardest. You know, I've got some, you know, I've I've written some um, not SOPs, but I've got some sheets on how we what I think we should do to to use washdown in step by step with photos, so they're downloadable. Um, there's my email address if people wanted to contact me and ask me questions, I'm happy to answer, good or bad. I like an argument, sort of, so to speak. I don't lose many. Um, I'm actually looking forward to losing an argument. So, uh, if people, if they want to, have, they've got questions about the report, happy to um, answer it. And away we go. Now, I do use this analogy, Jim. This is. I don't know how old you are, but I'm getting on a bit. But I remember driving in a car without a seatbelt. Okay. Yeah, and we still continued to drive the car. And when we got a lap seatbelt, you know, that was a great safety initiative. And we still continued. And then we got lap sash. Then we got, you know, electronic braking and ABS and all these other things. And we still continue to drive. I see where we're at now. We're just putting a lap seatbelt on. So, yep, it's the start and we can improve. So, I, I, I like that. Yeah, we can. And that's for the, I've stolen that from cruising. He's, uh, that's one of these things he uses. But I totally agree. We can't stop innovating and changing just because we've got a system now. We need to continue and update it. Oh, no, this is the nice thing is this stuff is ever evolving, ever yes. evolving. I mean, there's. Yep. Across the world, there's studies going on, and, and we have a lot of researchers that realizes the problem and they've got our back, and they're they're trying to figure out how the extent of the problem and then how we can mitigate it the best we can. So, and yeah. you know what you're doing by doing all this stuff and 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 going to all these different departments across different countries, you know, across the world, is you really are looking at uh, the the best practices available throughout the globe, and you know how we can how we can reduce our risk as much as possible. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very much a cherry-picking exercise, taking the best out of everybody um, and trying to build the best. Yeah, it, it reminds me of um, that film Moneyball and you know, Oakland A's where they're trying to build this team out of bits and pieces, and that's what we're doing. We're trying to build the best out of 
you know, moving here and there. You, you, you may you, you bring up uh, not only that it's a good point, but I, I want I wanted to ask you this earlier, but I didn't want to get you completely off topic and throw things off. But I think now's yeah. a good time. You went in 49 days. You were gone. Um, did you do? Did you have any fun? Like, did you do any like? Did you go to? I think you did. You go to Fenway Park. If do I remember that right? Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the, one of the the things about um, the foundation, the advice I was given was try to spend four or five or even six days in one location because you often find one meeting leads to another, and it actually happened in Boston. I missed one. I went to a a, a gentleman called. Um, M908 devices, and it was a hazmat, um, sort of like a GCMS. They could, you know, pick out, you know, chemicals and stuff and analyse it. But what they had, they had an application to one of my big things is post um, when we launder our, our bunker gear, how do we know it's clean? And, and this device could probably analyse it. So that was one meeting. So I had, you know, this flow on the thing, but I tried to have you know, book my meetings and like Boston was, I was only in Boston five days or four or five days. I had my two meetings. I picked up an extra one, but when I had time off, yeah, I tried to be a tourist. And I, I did go to Fenway Park. Um, I've been to a couple of baseball games now and every time I've been, the team I've been to watch has never won. So I must be a bad <laughs> omen, but it was a marathon day as well. So it was um, a big day in Boston, um, a great party atmosphere with such a somber background, you know, with the bombing and things like that. But it was, um, yeah, I tried to do a touristy thing, but basically for 49 days, I reckon I had three days off. Because every day I would sit and write or have a meeting, but I'd also try to do something. So when I was in Stockholm, I went to the Viking Museum and had a look at the 300-year-old Viking boat, which capsized in, capsized in the harbour and they later pulled out of the water. You know, some 300 years ago and it's in this big building um yeah so i tried to i tried to do something you know every day uh you know i went for a walk along south beach one sunday morning um, yeah. from, the tip, from the tip and walked about eight miles up the beach just in my shorts and bare feet you know just thinking about i was purely just thinking about um fire service stuff. I wasn't looking at the beautiful women or anything like that because I'm a married man, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but you know, every, every day I tried to do something, you know, exercise wise or just keep the brain going. Um, you know, Charleston, I had some of the best food I've never eaten. I've never eaten grits before and um, had some beautiful grits with, um, I'd call them prawns, but they were shrimp and that was on the, the bay and you know, I had some I'm a bit of a foodie, so I had some beautiful brisket one night, you know, slow roasted and slow cooked, and I just tried to immerse myself in um, food. You know, like in, in Miami, I had some uh, – Miami is a beautiful city. I like Miami, but I had some beautiful Cuban food. Uh, yeah, it was just good trying all the different food and yeah, getting out and talking to people. But, yeah, it was, it was busy, but I tried to do something all the time, uh, yeah. But nice. I wouldn't, wouldn't have changed anything for the world. I wouldn't have changed what I did anywhere. Perfect. Now, let me, let me ask you this. You accomplished all of this, because I, and I think you're a lot like me. You have to, in the back of your head, go, okay, where do I go from here? What's next? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably what's next. I'm trying to work on getting um, – some traction here in Australia. I've had some meeting with politicians. Uh, I'm trying to get some funding. Um, I've come up with a simple wash down kit, which you know, is $450 Australian, so probably about you know, 350 US, um, and can reduce, you know, reduce it remarkably your exposures. So I'm trying to market that and get some. I'm not getting any money out of it. I'm trying to, you know, my organisation. I'm trying to buy. 200 of them to put around the thing because I come from a large organization. Um, yeah, my department is a state based department, our state's about the same size as Minnesota, and I've got 1230 stations in that. Uh, <laughs> your your department is as big as the state of Minnesota, yeah, yeah. So, we've wow. got there's, there's 1200 
paid firefighters and 55,000 volunteers. Um, like we've got a fleet of 3,000 vehicles, operational vehicles. Um, I've got 260 engines in my in my fleet. Um, you know, but uh, we're a big department spread out across the state, which is great. But um, to make any changes, it's like changing the Titanic. You know, you just got to tap the rudder a little bit and get it to move and get it to move. You know, you can't do the U-turn or get a, a big change. So I'm trying to get um, incremental changes, and one of them is the wash-down kit and the online training module is my first goal, trying to get that finished. Uh, and Were I, they? Yeah, oh, go ahead. I've got, Sorry. I've got, I've got a three-year plan of implementation. You know, you know, the other one I probably missed in Indianapolis um, I met a gentleman called Chad Wenzel, who was an amazing gentleman, mm-hmm. and I'll give his company a plug, and it was Aegis Fire Gear, and he makes a oh, who, who told Who told you about that stuff? Um, I don't know whether you did or I bumped into him or... Oh, it was but, me, um, silly. I'm plugging uh, myself uh, now. Uh, I, I sent uh, you over to him because it is cool stuff. Oh, it's amazing stuff, and I've actually got a, I've got some some of his stuff. He's been fantastic. And I got to talk to him because you got stuff, but he hasn't given me anything to check yeah. out. Yeah, well, I reckon uh, probably because I'm just not going to flat my own boat. I'm a good looking rooster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's uh, that. So yeah, yeah, but no, um, but he he Chad's a fantastic man. I've been involved with him and. And I'm trying to get that. I'm trying to get a trial up. I'm trying to get a hundred thousand dollars worth of that gear put in as a trial. Um, and I foresee that as a really good way of then that barrier underneath our PPC to uh, to. Sorry, my home phone's ringing. I'm just going to get rid of that. Um, probably some telemarketer. Just, but, uh, hey, I'm just excited you actually have a home phone now. Yes. yes Most of us phone. here, are, that's that's gone. Yeah. It's all cell phone. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I've still got one. I suppose my internet's linked to it, but um, we're still a little bit backward in a way. But um, yeah, I just want to have the home phone. But um, yeah. But Chad's an amazing man, and uh, he's got some really good gear. And I think that's probably the one of the biggest things we can do is wear that that gear underneath to stop that. Yeah, like I, I think it's important to note, like what you're talking about is. We, we all have, we've seen now, it's, it's kind of commonplace to have these barrier hoods that are, you know, yeah. these particular blocking hoods. Yeah. And uh, what Chad has done is he's actually taken uh, that material that's inside and basically made almost like an Under Armour uh, shirt and pants that yeah. you can wear. So you can, you know, a lot, a lot of us, if you look at the FAST test from 2015, the, the fluorescent aerosol screening test, it showed that all, all these carcinogens were getting onto our body, and then we know we're absorbing those at really high rates. So by having this uh, this kind of Under Armour, this it's not Under Armour, but it's it's like that. It's the best way I think to describe it. By having that extra layer, that extra protection, now all of a sudden you're not having these carcinogens get on your skin at all. So you're you're in in turn you're avoiding all that exposure that we currently get. So it's it's he's definitely ahead of the curve on that right now. Yeah, and the product's amazing. Like it's got some. He's bringing out a new line with the FR ability in it, so you could you could wear it under your wildfire gear to give you a bit of, you know, bit of protection. Because most of the stuff around a bunker gear, you could wear anything underneath it, and it won't matter. But um, it's you know, the the one that gets me is the boxer shorts. You know, our <laughs> our, gro- our groin away area you know, can be up to 400% more absorbent than anywhere else, and we don't do nothing to protect it. So yeah, for me, it's a simple, everyone's wearing underwear most days, I'd hope, and, you know, just changing that could protect it. So, sure. you know, Chad's well ahead, you know, well ahead of the curve, and he's, and he's a lovely, lovely man to talk to as well. So I just wish I could get some more sales for him because the, I don't, you know, he needs to succeed because he is one of, one of the, the cutting edge things which is coming out of all our studies, um, that protection level. Sure. Um, I reckon the other thing we need to do and is record our exposures, because um, I know once, you know, I know a lot of your states have got presumptive legislation, and I'm a big mm-hmm. believer in pre- presumptive legislation. But it's in the end, it's very good for my wife because it proves, you know, 
I've got cancer from work and she gets my money, so to speak. Um, <laughs> not that I want to have not have the money, but you know, it does nothing for me having presumptive legislation. But if we're at least recording it, it makes that process easier. And it, uh, it takes care of our families. Yeah, and I'm looking at that. I don't know if you've seen it. That N4 was the the app. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, I reckon that's a great a great thing as well. I just wish I could we could get it here and just adopt it because we've just we've just got presumptive legislation um, and everyone thinks it's the holy grail. But I keep talking to people saying no, we've still got to be clean. It's only, oh, yeah, it's insurance, yeah. insurance for our family. So I don't know I if you've experienced that mindset. I could tell them story after story throughout the states that I see where, uh, yeah. you know, there's issues that there's, there's fights and I mean, it just goes on and on and on. That presumptive is not a guarantee and properly filling out exposure forms should help um, just in case you do get diagnosed. Now, what you mentioned about N4s, you're able to, that's not only is that a online uh you know, where you can just type in a website and, and do things there, but it's also through an app. So you can just use your phone and type stuff in. And now yeah, I think at least on the, in the, or across the States, you're able to actually integrate that into your CAD system to where yeah. the runs will populate. And you can just add them from there. But even if you're not able to do that, you can always manually put in the incident number, the run number, whatever it may be, and the information. And you're just kind of keeping that for yourself. So, yeah. Yeah, and the thing for me, like you said, the app is that easy. And if it's integrated into your CAD system, you know, if you're a young bloke on the back seat of the rig, most of them have got a mobile phone or a cell phone. When you when you're going back to the house, enter the data. Um, it's it's a it's a five minute exercise and protect sure. you for your life. Yeah, help you help that protection. But uh, again, that's a cultural thing, and if we start talking about it, people may do it. Exactly. Well, let me get you out of here. Uh, I want to ask you just a few. These are uh, what I call the 25 random questions. Yep, I try okay. to do this with all, with all my guests. Okay. So I've got got all these questions, yep. and uh, I just need you to pick out uh, a number. Right. I, I kind of let you choose your own fate, and and we'll yep. kind of see what this is. And I'm not. There's no curveballs. There's nothing crazy on here. This is just an opportunity <laughs> to have fun, an opportunity to learn really kind of more about you personally, right, yeah. not just professionally. All right, so what number would you like to start off with at least? 11. Okay. Uh, favorite vacation destination? Oh, that's geez, that's a hard one. Um, uh, you, you know what? Let me, ask, let me switch that. Instead of saying yeah. that, because you've, you've been all over the place, where yeah. have you not been that you want to go to? Oh, that's a good question too. I, um, I really want to get to... It's uh, probably a good topic at the moment. I want to go to Moscow. Um, okay. Moscow and Cuba. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did anybody see those coming? I, no. I didn't. No, I just. <laughs> He's I just been, been everywhere Cuba. else. That's the problem. Yeah, well, I've been. Well, I've actually been to 29 mainland states now um, in the US, and I've been to Europe a couple of times. I don't Africa's know. Okay, I don't know but, if um, I've been to 29 states. Yeah. Well. Probably like, close, maybe a little bit more. Uh, I whatever. Won't, I won't embarrass you. My oldest brother's been to every state. Uh, yeah. uh, but he's been to the states 15 times, I think, now. He loves it. Well, we all do. We all love it. We've got we've got a connection. So um, and going back in World War Two, my mum was a little girl, and she had American GIs billet with them in her country town, and they were from West Virginia, and we've stayed in touch with them ever since from 1942. So... Um, I love West Virginia. I know it can be uh, sort of a little bit funny in the States. You know, it could be the butt of some jokes, but it's a beautiful, beautiful country. Um, You get it up around the hills. Um, Yeah. It's my favorite vacation spot. Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah, but I'd like to go to Moscow and Cuba just for the, you know, behind that iron curtain and see what the other, you know, what's not westernized, so to speak. Um, Yeah. 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 Interesting. What? Uh, all right. Go ahead and uh, pick out another number. Let's try another one. Ah, uh, three. My favorite movie. Favorite movie. Uh, I've got. Uh, I've got a couple. It depends on what theme you're in. Um, so I'll go with a couple of those. Okay. Okay, that's the fair. Old, 
the old classic I love Shawshank Redemption. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, that just me. Um That's you know that prison that prison's in my state. It's in Massachusetts. Is it Massachusetts or somewhere or No, it's in Ohio. Ohio, is it? Yep. Okay, I didn't know. I thought that was talking Massachusetts, but it's uh, right here and I've I've never been there, but I know it's Yeah, it's it, like it a just, couple hours away. Yeah, that's that's oh well, look I'd be a visitor if I was you if I was a couple of hours away. <laughs> um yeah, and then the other the other movie uh, I really like, and it's probably can be a little bit different as Apocalypse now. Um, just the, the cinematography and what they did with it, um, and when they brought it out, just an amazing piece of work. So um, can I let me here. can I add on to that story too? I know I'm just stepping yeah. all over your feet now, but oh, that's, that's right. Hey, that's so cool. when when I got married, um, I ended up having a uh, you know a lot of people get like a limo or you you even seen firefighters like yeah get a fire engine or whatever and, and yep. leave the, their wedding and go to the reception and all that stuff i got a helicopter <laughs> excellent yes and <laughs> uh i had a blast my wife did not so much because uh i i didn't tell her i was doing this i thought she would appreciate the surprise and how over the top it was no she was pissed at me because uh yeah she just wasn't expecting that but um we ended up when we landed at my union hall for the reception they played uh what is it the, the flight of the valkyries yeah flight of the valkyrie wagner yeah yeah they had speakers outside and they're playing that when we came in it was it was cool as can be did you dust anybody off that was the, would have been the big question you know how much how much road of wash was there yeah no there wasn't no nothing like that it was a our 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 union hall has a huge uh, front yard. Where, I mean, yeah. you could, you could. It's a, like a golf course almost, as large as it is. Oh, nice, nice. Actually, it's behind a golf course, but it could be an extra hole or two. Yeah, now um, I love golf. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, let's get you. Let's do one more, and then I'll All get right. you out because you are you are already officially my longest podcast. But I've enjoyed oh. it. I enjoy talking to you about all this stuff. So. Well, I don't care. Well. <laughs> um, how about we okay. go? 21. Okay. Um, favorite album. So like favorite favorite musical album. I used I would say I could say CD or, or even for yeah. your generation cassette tape. A cassette, yeah. Uh, well, I'm gonna go. Not not many people would know this band. It's oh, you might know Midnight Oil. Um, yeah. Australian, Australian band, which I, I really love, and I've seen them seven or eight times. So there's an album called Ten Nine Eight, um, and it actually shows Sydney being nuked, nuked, and the, you know the aftermath on the front cover. I think is uh, Ten Nine Eight. Is that? Oh no, that's Red Sail. Sorry. No, so Ten Nine Eight is uh, yeah one of my favourite albums, and it. I don't know. See, just, I just assumed you were going to say ACDC for that. Yeah, no, not an Akadaka man too much. Um, probably a bit more the other side. So, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, some good Australian bands. Yeah. But I do like Foo Fighters. They're probably my favourite at the moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd love to see Fooies, but um, yeah, but uh, Midnight Oil, yeah, seen them lots. You, you yeah, haven't seen the Foo Fighters yet? No, I haven't seen them. Every time they come, the the tickets are a horrendous price, but. Uh, I thought I might snag them one time in the states if I, you know, if they're playing, make a special trip, you know, and give me a, trip, a reason to go back to the states. <laughs> yeah, we go. You know, I I've seen them now a few times. I recommend going to a ballpark and seeing them and getting on the field. Yeah. Okay. I saw the last, no, not the last time, but the second to last time I saw them is at Wrigley Field, and it was oh, nice. it was tremendous. It was yeah. great. Yeah. All right. Well. On that note, my friend, let's uh, let's get you out of here. Tell me one more time uh, where everybody could find that report. Yeah, so if they went to anyone went to our beautiful listeners went to churchilltrust.com.au, search for my surname Owen O W E N, and they can download it there. Um, yeah. Perfect. Now. Uh, with that, don't, uh, all my listeners, don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you haven't done that already. If you're on uh, iTunes or Google Play, that way you'll get all the different uh, episodes. I'm trying to put these out every week now, every every Tuesday uh, morning for me. Um, 
But uh, with that, speaking of that, the time change, you can now start your day. And I'm going to end my day. I'm going to go to bed because i got to work tomorrow. So, But thank you again. Thank you so much for being a guest on this, Rick. I, I yeah. appreciate it, and I'll, I'll definitely be in touch. And I want to follow up on, on how everything progresses for you. Lovely, and thanks for the opportunity, Jim. It's been amazing to have a talk and just sit. I know we're 10,000 miles apart, but it's, uh, it's lovely to have a sit and catch up again. Yeah, but it's all, even with that, it's, it's nice to see how everybody is kind of really on the same page. At least they're getting there. Yeah. To me, that's just, it's just a, I don't know any other way to say it, but it's just a cool thing. Yes. You know, yeah, so. this issue is uh, it's universal. So I'm glad we're, we're taking care of it. But um, again, thanks for your time, and, and I'll talk to you later on. Okay. All right. Take care, brother. Bye.